to Psalm 30. I will exalt you, Lord, for you lifted me out of the depths and did not let my enemies gloat over me. Lord my God, I called to you for help, and you healed me. You, Lord, brought me up from the realm of the dead. You spared me from going down to the pit. Sing the praises of the Lord, you his faithful people. Praise his holy name, for his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. When I felt secure, I said, I will never be shaken. Lord, when you favored me, you made my royal mountain stand firm. But when you hid your face, I was dismayed. To you, Lord, I called. To the Lord, I cried for mercy. What is gained if I am silenced, if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it proclaim your faithfulness? Hear, Lord, and be merciful to me. Lord, be my help. You turn my wailing into dancing. You remove my sackcloth and clothe me with joy. That my heart may sing your praises and not be silent. Lord my God, I will praise you forever. Good morning. Uh, thank you again very much for welcoming us back so warmly. It's great to be back here after so many years away. Uh, let me start, uh, or partly by putting my hot water here. The Conrad is as cold as I remember it to be. Um, let me start by sharing a brief memory from when I was growing up. Uh, when we were growing up, we would visit China every few years to visit my grandparents. And I remember one occasion in particular uh, when I would be out with my grandmother. Uh, this is one of those days where you're just running errands, so really boring for a little boy. But these days are made bearable by the promise of a treat at the end of the day. And so when I was a child, one of my favorite foods was cha siu bao, uh, little bundles of joy you can hold in your hand. Well, we get to the end of the day, and there it is, holding my well-earned treat in my hand. You can imagine the joy all across my face. But before I could even take a bite, someone bumped into me, straight on the floor. Before I could even reach for it, someone stepped on it. I know, it's tragic, isn't it? In an instant, my joy was turned into weeping, right before my very eyes. Now, of course, that's a trivial example, you know, pretty low consequences in the grand scheme of things. And yet we'll be familiar with this dynamic, won't we? Our joy can be turned into weeping so easily. Uh, I'm sure each of us will have our own stories to share, uh, some of which low consequences like my story, some are much more serious. But we're familiar with this, aren't we? Our joy can be turned into weeping so easily. But what about the other way around? What about turning our weeping into joy? Well, that is a much harder task, isn't it? Turning our weeping into joy is a much, much harder thing to do. And yet we'd love to do it if we could, wouldn't we? And this isn't just an abstract question, a sort of a, an interesting thought experiment. No, this is our experience. Uh, we know weeping. Uh, weeping is real. 
Uh, just take this past year as an example. Uh, we'll have had all sorts of experiences, ups and downs, and now we'll have involved a whole load of challenges. Uh, for some of us here, I know we'll have had to endure the pain of losing a loved one, someone that we cherish. For some of us, we've been plunged into great uncertainty by a diagnosis from the doctor. Uh, for some of us, we've had to continue to experience the pain of broken relationships. Uh, for some of us, it might not be something so specific or concrete as that. And yet, just in the day-to-day, -day, our lives are marked by tears. Uh, weeping is real. And we know it's not just this past year either. It's not just 2022. Uh, 2021 had its own tears. 2020 had its own tears and so on. And so we know that we need more than just the beginning of a new year to fix it. How is it that we could turn weeping into joy? Well, our passage that we're looking at today, this psalm, it doesn't actually answer that question. It doesn't answer the question of how. It answers the question of who. You see, what this psalmist holds out for us today uh, what this psalm uh, is desperate for us to see is that there is someone who can turn weeping into joy. There really is someone who can turn weeping into joy. It's this same melody that rings out all the way through the psalm. And so as we work our way through it this morning, it will be the same tune that we hear again and again. Uh, we see it in the opening verses, uh, verses 1 to 3, in David's salvation. This is what he experienced when God rescued him. Someone who can turn weeping into joy. That's what he experienced. And we also see it in his invitation in verses 4 to 5. And this is what he holds out to us and then invites us to join in with thanksgiving and praise. And then lastly, we also see this in his reflection in the final portion of the psalm. Uh, this is something that he himself has to learn afresh that there really is someone who can turn weeping into joy. And so with that in mind, why don't we jump in then and begin at the start and look at David's salvation, now verses 1 to 3. Uh, you see, what David does here is he takes this super simple contrast and he uses it to describe how God has been at work in his life. Uh, the contrast is there between up and down, down and up. It's such a simple contrast that even the little child would be able to understand it. I remember our girl Abby, and when she was just beginning to learn how to speak, this was one of her first words. She'd take any object from the floor, bring it on the table and say, up. And then she'd put it back down on the floor and say, down. That's a lot cuter when she did it at age two. But you get the picture, right? Uh, even here in Hong Kong, we're so familiar between the, uh, with this contrast. I've forgotten how much time is spent going up, or down, escalators, elevators, stairs, constantly. So we're familiar with this contrast. And David takes that and he uses it to describe how God has been at work in his life. Just listen out to it. Verse 1, I will exalt you, Lord, for you lifted me out of the depths and did not let my enemies gloat over me. Verse 3, you, Lord, brought me up from the realm of the dead. You spared me from going down to the pit. Up and down, down and up. And the idea behind being lifted up here is the image of drawing a bucket up a well. 
Because that's where David was. He was down in the depths. And the depths here, we find, were as deep as death. And he describes himself as being in the realm of the dead. He was as good as dead, he felt. The place of darkness. It's the same idea behind the word pit in verse 3. This was the place where God's presence would no longer be felt. That's where he was. He was as good as dead. And so what we find is it wasn't that he was just having a bad day, uh, running behind for meetings, just particularly stressed. No, this is serious for him. And we don't get the specific details of exactly what he was experiencing. But if you were to ascribe a direction to his life, you would say it was down. And it was from these depths that God saved him. Uh, Just look at all the verbs he uses. You lifted me out of the depths we saw. Verse 2, Lord my God, I call to you for help and you heal me. Uh, Verse 3 again, you brought me up from the realm of the dead. You spared me from going down to the pit. It was as if God had given him new life again. God had turned his weeping from the depths into joy of life restored. And so he gives thanks. And this is why he's written this psalm. Verse 1, I will exalt you, Lord. Literally, I will lift you up because you have lifted me up. Uh, Verse 12, right at the end, uh, that my heart may, may sing your praises and not be silent. He can't keep it to himself. He can't contain it. His only response is to sing thanksgiving and praise from the depths of his being because of what God has done for him. See, this is how David thinks of his life now. Down and up, down and up. That's the picture he has of his life. He knows that if it were not for God's kindness, he would be nowhere. He would be down. But because God has intervened, but because God has acted on his behalf, he has been brought up. This is how he thinks of his life now. And of course, it is the same for us if we have put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. If it were not for God's kindness, where would we be? We would be nowhere. We would be down. But because of His great mercy, He has brought us up. In fact, I'm sure each of us will have our own stories to share of times when God has intervened, when He has provided for us. When he has protected us, he's kept us from harm. And of course, ultimately, all of us will be able to testify together that God has kept us from going down into the depth of an eternity without him. Down and up. Friends, let me ask you this. Do you ever think of your own life as being described in this way? Down and up. Down and up. Because that is what has happened to each and every one of us if we have put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Now it might be that for a lot of us we've been Christians for a while now. And so this seems kind of basic. You know, we're familiar with this, down and up. And yet for David it never gets old. I wonder if you noticed how verse 12 ends. That my heart may sing your praises and not be silent. Lord my God, I will praise you forever. You can never get over this. This song will never become 
background music to him. This is his anthem because God has turned his weeping into joy. And so this is what he experienced in his salvation. But then it's also this same thing that he holds out to us in his invitation. Uh, verse 4, uh, he holds this out. Uh, Sing the praises of the Lord, you his faithful people. Uh, literally, you who have experienced God's steadfast love, sing the praises of the Lord. Praise his holy name. Uh, what we find is that this isn't just something for David, sort of nice for him over there. This is something for all of us. And he invites us all to join in. Now, verse 5, he gives a basis for this. For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. We get these contrasts here. Uh, anger and favor. Moment and lifetime. And it is crucial that we get these pairings the right way round. Uh, think of it like this. S uh, socks. Socks come in pairs, don't they? Uh, they belong in pairs. And yet it's so easy to get them mixed up when you're in a rush, getting ready for work in the morning. Well, what these pairs do here, they give us a little glimpse into what God is like. And they give us a little spotlight on his character. So not just what he does, but on what he is like. So imagine someone asks you, uh, what is God like? This God you believe in, what is he like? Uh, well, we know the answers, right? He's good, he's kind, he's loving. But what if we're stretched thin? Uh, what if we feel really quite up against it? Uh, what if we feel like our back is against the wall? What if we feel like our joy has been turned into weeping yet again? Well, when that happens, it's surprisingly easy to start thinking of God slightly differently. Uh, we can start thinking of God as if he's some kind of stern boss, always just a bit disappointed in us. Uh, sure, we sometimes occasionally experience flashes of favor, but, but really... He doesn't really like us. But what if we get the parents the right way around? His anger lasts only a moment. But his favor, that lasts for a lifetime. Uh, this is death and resurrection language. This is what our God is like. And this is why we can have this promise in the second half of verse 5. Weeping may stay for the night. But rejoicing comes in the morning. A weeping is pictured here as this sort of evening guest. Sometimes this guest rocks up and you can see him coming down the street. You're expecting him. Sometimes weeping comes up out of the blue. A totally unexpected. The first we hear of him is a knock at the door or the buzz on our phone. Either way, uh, whether expected or unexpected, this guest is utterly uninvited. Uh, we never go out of our way to find weeping in the streets, do we? And uh, we never go out of our way to invite weeping into our home. And yet weeping comes. And when weeping comes, it stays far too long, doesn't it? See, weeping is real. Uh, we said at the start, uh, this may well be an uh, a present, current experience for some of us. 
Uh, weeping may be a past experience, and yet real. Nonetheless, we still feel the pain of it. Uh, for some of us, we've had to watch our loved ones go through periods of deep weeping, and yet not be able to do anything about it. See, when weeping comes, the night is dark, and the night is long. Think of it this way. Uh, imagine a typhoon lands on the city. Uh, let's say it comes at night time. Well, that night, as we try to tuck ourselves into bed, we can hear the winds howling around outside. Uh, we can even feel it as the windows and the doors bash against their frames, uh, the rain lashing against the side of the window. Uh, well, as we tuck ourselves in the night, uh, tuck ourselves in for the night, we're longing for morning. We're longing for the sun to rise so that we can see what's going on outside. Or imagine we're camping and it's just a little bit colder than we had anticipated, than we planned for. And so we have everything set up, but again, we try to get comfortable for the night in our sleeping bag and it, we just can't get comfortable no matter what we do. And we're desperate for the morning so that the sun will give us its warmth again. Or for some of us, we'll know those nights when we cry ourselves to sleep because there's nothing else we can do. See, in each of these scenarios, what we're holding out for, what we're desperate for, is for the morning to come. And here's the promise. The night may be dark. The night may be long. But the sun will rise and joy will come. There really is someone who can turn weeping into joy. And that's what David is holding out to us as he invites us to join in with thanksgiving and praise. It almost sounds too good to be true, doesn't it? And yet, David is utterly convinced that this is the case. And so how do we get this into our hearts? So we like the sound of it, but how does this become real to us? Well, as we look at the final portion of the psalm, what we find is that this is something that David, he has to learn afresh for himself as he reflects on his own heart. And so it'll be instructive for us to look at this as well. Now, you see, in verse 6, the scene is much sunnier. Uh, the weather is nice here. Uh, blue skies a warm sun, and the idea behind being secure here, of being prosperous, is much more than material wealth. It's basically when things are going well in life. And what David discovers is that when things are going well, his heart has this tendency to slide towards trusting in himself. Now we can picture it like this. Imagine you're out on a holiday and you're at the bay and you decide to go paddleboarding or kayaking, something on the water. Uh, the weather's perfect, uh, the sun is gleaming, you have the mountains there, and you start to head out in the water. And so there you are, you're paddling away, and you surprise yourself. You think, wow, I'm going faster than I thought I could. I didn't realize I was this strong, but, yeah, but maybe my gym membership is paying off. I didn't realize my muscles were this big. And so you start paddling away and you're making it out to the water. And then it's time to go back for lunch. And that's when you realize 
It wasn't your bulging biceps that took you out so fast. No, it was the current that dragged you out. And now you're stuck far from the shore. Verse 6. When I felt secure, I said, I will never be shaken. Lord, when you favored me, you made my royal mountain stand firm. But when you hid your face, I was dismayed. And what David grapples with here is that everything he had, every blessing he enjoyed, he had only by the kindness of his Lord, not by his own strength. And yet he found himself, in himself this tendency to trust himself. But then here he recognizes that if God withdrew himself, he would be out in the cold. Everything he had, he had only by God's kindness. And so what we have here is a picture of our own heart's tendency. And when things are going well, we start to think, I could do this. We got this, right? And maybe you have a respectable position in your work. You know, nothing too glamorous or glitzy, but you're dependable. People come to you for advice. People know that you can be relied upon. Uh, perhaps we have a good education. Or maybe we've got our kids into the right schools, they're on the right trajectory. And maybe our family life and our marriage are just reasonably together. Uh, you know, not perfect, but a bit more together than next door. Or maybe we've got financial assets, uh, real estate, stock options, a whole number of different things, uh, ways in which we can start to trick ourselves into thinking that uh, we know that a storm might come, but I think we can just about manage it. And uh, we say to ourselves, we got this. Or we say to each other in our advice, you got this. Uh, those kind of little things we say almost without realizing it. I'll just give it some time. Don't worry about it. I'm sure it'll be fine. I believe in you. You've got what it takes. See, all these different ways in which we start to, uh, to trick ourselves into thinking that we could turn our weeping into joy. As if somehow by our own strength, by our own methods, in our own timings, uh, we start to push God out of the picture that we could do it ourselves. And so as we're confronted with this reality, this tendency in our hearts, uh, this sinful tendency in our hearts, what do we do? Well, David shows us what our response should be. He casts himself upon God's mercy. Verse 8. To you, O Lord, I called. To the Lord I cried for mercy. Verse 10. Hear, Lord, and be merciful to me. Lord, be my help. When he recognizes this sinful tendency in his heart, David realizes the only thing he can do to respond rightly is to cast himself on God's mercy. And he learns afresh that there is someone who can turn weeping into joy. But more than that, he learns that there is only one who can turn weeping into joy. And not ourselves, but his God and Savior. You see, that's what we learn. That's how we get this into our hearts, when we turn away from trusting in ourselves and we cast ourselves upon God's mercy. This is what we learn. At verse 11, you turned my wailing into dancing. 
you removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy. And so we're left with some more beautiful contrasts here. Wailing and dancing. Being clothed in sackcloth and being clothed with joy. And it's almost too beautiful to picture, right? And yet these images, they point beyond themselves to a reality. Uh, this is gospel reality. Because the one who turns our weeping into joy, it was in fact the one who tasted the deepest weeping and the darkest night. Uh, the Bible describes Jesus as the man of sorrows, well acquainted with grief. And on the night before he died, he said to his disciples, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow. Uh, through the gospel accounts, you see that he goes from the joy of his baptism, when the father declared, This is my son with whom I am well pleased. He goes from the joy of his baptism to the agony of the cross. He cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Even though he was the only one to ever perfectly trust God. He never turned aside. He never went his own way. And yet in his death, he went down to the deepest of depths so that we would never have to. And then in his resurrection, he was raised to the highest of heights so that we could have assurance that no matter how long the night is, no matter how dark the night is, we can have the rock-solid assurance that the sun will rise because the sun has risen. There really is someone who can turn weeping into joy. Friends, if you've not yet put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, this is what's on offer. This is what the psalmist holds out to you for all who put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Will you turn to Him? Can I urge you to find someone who would call themselves a Christian? Ask them about this. Ask them about their story of how God has rescued them. But for most of us here, we have put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Well, friends, this promise is for you today. There is someone who can turn weeping into joy. It's not the promise of an easy life. There are still tears that we experience. And yet joy will come. As we get to experience a measure of that joy now, as we reflect on how God has rescued us, how He has brought us from down to up. But we wait in full confidence of that great day when death will be no more, when there will be no more tears, no more crying or mourning or pain. You see, what this psalm holds out for us isn't simply that there is someone who can turn weeping into joy. What this psalm holds out to us is that there is someone who will turn our weeping into joy. And when we grasp that, when that grips our heart, when that shapes our horizon, we will find the ability, the resources, to take David up on his invitation. Verse 4, Sing the praises of the Lord, you His faithful people. 
praise His holy name. Even when things are going well, if we take this to heart, we will still be able to sing. And even through tears, we will still be able to sing. And so as we close, really I have just one question to ask you. Will you sing today? Will you sing today? Will you sing right now in your heart of hearts as you hear God's word? Or will you sing in a moment's time when we sing our final song together? Will you sing this week as you celebrate Lunar New Year and as you go about our day? Friends, will you sing? Because there really is someone who will turn our weeping into joy. Let's pray. Father, we praise you and thank you that as we open up your word, you speak to us and you show us Christ. Thank you, Father, for what we've seen of him today. Thank you for what we have in him, this hope and assurance that you will turn weeping into joy. Father, we confess we find it hard to picture it happening because we are so familiar with tears. But we pray that by the power of your Spirit, you would enable us to grasp this today and that that would lead us to sing praise and thanksgiving to your name. Amen.